0: Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. And I'm really excited for today's show. Inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Anthony Trucks. Now, Anthony is a former NFL linebacker who is a serial entrepreneur with one serious superpower, the power to shift with shifting times. And I have to tell you that Anthony is just an incredible human being over the last couple of years that I've gotten to know him. I've loved his story and I'm so excited to have him on the show. And beyond playing football, Uh, Anthony teaches people to upgrade how they operate to do be and have more in life, which is why he created his company identity shift, which we'll talk about more in here. And so I won't say any more about that. And I'll let Anthony talk more about it. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Anthony to the show and let us talk about how to make shift happen in your life and in business. So Anthony, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Makeshift happen.
0: Thank you for joining us. I've been really looking forward to having you on the show and our conversation. So uh, I'm just yeah. glad for you to, to be here with us. I've been so impressed by you and inspired by your story. And normally when I have professional athletes on the show, I start by talking about their story around sports. As I was getting ready for today, I was thinking about, well, maybe we'll start it off talking about football. But then I decided to call an audible and do something different because you do have just such a powerful story going back to your childhood so take a few minutes and share with us what was your life like as a kid
1: oh man it was uh it was not your ideal life but you know it's it has its ups and downs uh so when i first started out life uh, and this is for anybody in a place where they're like man this may not be the story i want you to listen to the story and hear it kind of feel yourself in it that's all i ask uh so for me i started my life by being given away into foster care which means like the first moments of my life with that feeling that a lot of us feel of I'm not good enough. uh, I don't fit. I don't matter. Nobody pays attention to me. Like that's how I essentially started my days. So my mom gave me and my three siblings away into the system. Like we really did not have much of a shot at doing well. Statistically, if you go to any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids, like 50% of the homeless population, former foster kids. So we are not set up to do well. And so I was in the system, bouncing around, I got beaten, starved, and tortured. And, man, it's really not so much of a positive uh, life right for me. So that's where I started. Uh, progressed on from house to house. I think five different houses before I got into my sixth house, which is my family now. And I grew up as the only black person in a poor all-white family. So I had a lot of w- weird dynamics of like identity and, and ethnicity and where do I fit? And, you know, schools, I was the only person that looked like me in school. And so I wasn't really in a positive space for a lot of years. And I wasn't even adopted yet. I was adopted at 14. So I spent another eight years with that family in the foster care system, having no idea if, you know, today I would still be at this house because when foster care happens, they pick you up, drop you off. Nobody tells you why. And 11 years later, 14 years old, I got to stand in front of a judge and say, you know, I no longer want you, my biological mom, to be my mom anymore. And I severed parental rights. I got adopted. Like it was the first day, you know, my life. I was like, wow, I know that for sure this house that I woke up in, like I had to go to bed here every night. I know that much. And it was a different kind of um, peace for me, which was great. And so it allowed me to, uh, to venture to new things, to try stuff. I couldn't play sports because my real mom wouldn't let me. And so now I could do the you know, football, which for me was big because it was the first you know, thing I could do that allowed me to try to, to, to get a sense of self-worth. Oh, and I could hit people without getting in trouble. That was amazing. I didn't mind that so much. And I got to this war where I had to figure out who's in. And so I go to high school and my first years in high school, man, it was very difficult. So I, I'm in my second year of football and both these years, I'm horrible. You ever try anything in life? Usually there's this thing we love to do or we want to try to do it and we try it. And we are met with the realization that we're not very good at it. This is parenting. This is work. This is anything, right? And so my first moments in life in football, like that career aspect was like, man, I am not very good. And I chalked it up at one point. It was like 15 years old. My mom had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I'm in high school, not fitting in because I grew up in a family that didn't you know, look like most of me. And so I didn't understand my culture at that time. And so I got to this dynamic of like, man, I'm, I got to just check out. So I checked out. I was pretty much hanging it up. And then I had this moment in an English class where these two girls were talking and I was eavesdropping. And one says to the other girl, well, well the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. It was an interesting mm-hmm. statement because for me, it was like I got to hear out loud the excuse I was living under as to why I was going to be horrible, whatever. I did not care. Mm-hmm. And it sounded really stupid. Like, that was the thing. Like, I got the gift of hearing my excuse out loud and how it didn't sit well. And we don't always in life get these gifts. And so I got this one, and it made me switch the gears internally of, like, I got to find out how to to be great. And I didn't know what great meant. No 15-year-old knows what great is. Like, you know, great is like taking a shower two days in a row. You know, like, it's not (laughs) something we know. But I knew I wanted to be great at football. And so this thing that I had previously tried and not done so well out and decided to, to you know venture onto something else, I went back to because as adults, we do this as adults. We typically try something. We're not good at it. We try something else. We're not good. at, it, We try something else because we don't like we have fragile spirits. We don't we don't like being met with this opposition. So I went back to it and I, and I went and did this thing that most people don't do. But I, I did everything I could to be successful. Before I knew I would be successful. And it was a game changer and it turned me into this different kind of animal. Because what I did is I lifted all the weights I could lift. I ran the routes all day long. I sat in, the, in my house on my back and I threw the ball up in the air. I had to catch it 500 times, 500 catches before I would go to bed. Somehow throughout the day, I had to do it. And I came back the next year. I'm telling you, I was this animal. Like I was a, a monster in terms of just my abilities, but more so, Because I had developed this identity that you don't get to take anything from me. I've earned it. I worked for it. I created this person through the repetitions. And there's a statement in the base of my work that that runs what I do. And it's what you create, creates you. Like the process of me being stronger and faster was great for my body. But what it really was? was a feeder of my mind. Like, I wasn't going to let you beat me because I deserve this. I earned it. And that was kind of the mentality I had. And I moved forwards from there and got a football scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon. Uh, Had my son at 20 years old in college for my high school sweetheart. Stayed together, got married. A year later, met my biological dad at my first collegiate start on national television. I got a game ball for the game. Uh, And it's like life was interesting, you know. And fast forward a few years, I'm now... Uh, in the NFL, I, you know, I was blessed to have the opportunity to play in the NFL and the NFL stands for not for long. You get in <laughs> and you get out. Mm-hmm. And so my th- third year, uh, I tore my left shoulder, played against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, and I came home and I, I had a major identity crisis. I had to figure out, like, who's Anthony? Like, where, who is this person without this thing? And anybody who's had a moment in time, like you listening, if you've had this moment in time where, you know, maybe you, you, you fell out of a relationship, you fell out of love or... Someone cheated on you or, you know, for some reason, maybe you left the military or you left sports or your kid goes to college uh, or somebody passes away. Like these are things that rattle who we see ourselves to be. And a lot of the time we get spun out and we never catch our, our bearings again. And for me, like I, I came home from you know this NFL and I, I wanted to find a way to make myself great again, because when you've lost your identity, you want to find it somewhere else. So I started building this gym and man, I did not realize I was doing it the wrong way at the time. I was there 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. My wife and I had twins. So we, had, we had two more kids, so now we got three. Uh, I'm, I'm getting out of shape. The business isn't making any money. I'm neglecting the family. Like everything's falling apart. And eventually I lose my marriage. Eventually I lose, you know, the family. I, the, the business is up and down consistently. I get out of shape and like, I, I don't feel like I matter as a human anymore. Very difficult. Because once you've been to the peak of football, What else is there, right? Like, what else is supposed to do? Like, I hit the NFL. That's the top, top, top. And it took me years and actually my mom passing away for me to realize that the the truth of it is, is a lot of us have these things in life. When you lose a part of you, like the identity, it's kind of like a tree and fruit. Like that fruit falls off the tree, it withers and dies. And we feel like we withered and died. Like my fruit was my family, my career, football, right? It withered and died. And for a long time, we'll mourn that and we won't come out of the hole. And what happened for me is I got this realization, thankfully, of like, I am not the fruit. Like, none of us are the fruit. You know, you think that the career is a fruit, you're the fruit. It's not. You're the tree. Like, you create everything from nurturing the roots to pruning the branches to create that great fruit. So, for me, I had this, you know, my mom passed away. I was in the room as she, as she drew her final breaths. And I was like, man, like, I got to see what is my next level of potential. Cause my mom, her body wouldn't let her seek it. I'm not going to leave this planet not having fulfilled it in some way. And so I started this journey for myself of trying to figure out, like, how do I navigate and become that person that operates at a higher level? How do, I, how do I do what I did in football and reach the next tier for my profession, right? So I set out to figure out how to fix things, fix it. And so I started upgrading what I call my identity, my operating system. Like a computer would upgrade its operating system. I did the same thing for me. And in doing so, I was able to get my marriage back together. I, I grew the businesses. I changed businesses and grew my business after selling the gym. Uh, I'm a present father. I'm in shape. Like I I have joy in my heart. And so everything came full circle because I've realized that now the one superpower I have is teaching people how to expand who they are. Like I had to expand who I was every level of my life, whether it was foster care to football to a husband to business. I've had to continuously do that. And that's what's given me success. And it's not at a mindset level. Cause I got a great mindset Yeah, everybody has you a know, powerful mindset, but I was still broke. Like I was former NFL linebacker. And at one point I was sleeping on an air mattress with my kids in a, in a 500 square foot studio. Like at, you know, almost 30 years old. Like that was not, that was not living life even with the mindset. So it was more than that. And I realized it was more of an identity thing and how I'm operating, how I see the world, what I do. And those are the things that are needle movers. And when you can move those around and you can actually shift, which talked about identity shift, you can actually accomplish amazing things in life. And that's what I do now.
0: With the people that you work with and helping them to shift their identity, because a lot of times being able to move the ball isn't always these monumental changes. You can make shifts in your identity, shifts in your habits, shifts in different things that can lead you to different outcomes. It doesn't have to always be huge, huge change. And so when you work with people in, in figuring out, how they're shifting in their identity. Share with us kind of some of the things that you work through with them.
1: Yes. I mean, most of the time shift is not this big, long thing. If you think about an airplane traveling from one coast to the other coast in the United States, if you you know, shift the trajectory by one degree, you can end up as much as 40 miles in a different direction. So if we're talking about ending up in a different place in life, it's not talking about changing everything because change is just heavy, right? But if you shift something, you can actually get a new trajectory. So what do you shift? What is the difference? And so what I talk about is what's called an identity gap. And so the way that I help people do this is by first understanding that you need to be in the right, what's called ideal identity for your dream you can't just wake up every day and go through the motions and hope you get there like it's just not how it works you have to be of the right capacity and operating flow like what are your thoughts what are your actions your reactions and and when you understand that the majority of people who succeed and they make it look easy it's not because it is easy but it's because the things that have to be done for them to succeed those become easy right the steps and the stages and it's because of who they are not what they've done because We all know some people who have had success and they've had less opportunity. Like, how does that person win? What is it about them? They didn't have what I have. They didn't have the tools or the money. No, no, no. They had the right identity and the identity allowed them to succeed. And here's the logic. If you were of that identity to have all the dreams that you want achieved, you already have those things because it'd be who you are. So the fact that you don't have them should be a red light glaring in your face. Like I gotta, I gotta upgrade something. So on one end is who you need to be that has all the things you want. On the other end is the person you are. And in the, what in between is? It's called a gap. You have an identity gap. It's a gap in the identity of who you need to be to have what you want. And so the way that I help people is first I get them to understand that that exists. Like the, you could work as hard as you want, but if you're working super hard and don't have success, you keep telling yourself, "Ah, oh, I've done everything I can." that should be a very clear thing of like, no, because if your hero was to follow you around for a day, like think about what they would say. Would they honestly be like, oh, you're working super hard. I, I don't know why you don't have success. Or would they be like, yeah, but you're sleeping in too long or you're, you're scrolling through Facebook too much or you need to focus and read that book more. Like what would they say? Because those are the people you want to be like. What would they say? Right. So that's the idea is like there's a gap there. When I do is I step in, I tell people like there's nothing wrong with you. Like you're not broken we just need to upgrade that operating system. We need to upgrade who you are as a human. And when you go through the process of doing so, everything operates smooth. And so the way that I guide people and guide my clients through it from the beginning is starting out with understanding, hey, where are you at? Where are they at? Where do you want to go? And what work must you do to be able to shift the trajectory? Because that trajectory shift is just small, minute things in terms of like What are the small habits you have? We actually have what's called six core drivers inside of our identity, beliefs, thoughts, actions, habits, mindset, and our pride about ourselves. And so what I look at is like, what are the beliefs your ideal identity must have to succeed? Do they believe that doing video on social media is easy or do they believe that it's hard? Do they believe that writing emails is easy or is it hard? Do they believe that, you know, reaching out and prospecting and, and asking people to join their programs is easy or is it hard? Like, what are the beliefs they have? What thoughts do they talk about in their head all day long? Are they talking to themselves positively? Are they questioning themselves? Are they are they beating themselves up? That fear that creeps in, what's their mindset? Like, is their mindset strong enough to uh, you know to take on this new challenge? Or are they someone who's just very timid and weak? So you have to think about these things because when you start looking at the habits and the actions and all these things, those six drivers, the ideal identity that somebody needs to be to have success, these are just simple. Like the things that that overwhelm you are uh, it's a blip in the radar to those people. Like it just is like the thing that may shut you down for them is like, Oh, I do that every Tuesday morning and it's shutting you down. Like I do that with joy every Tuesday morning. You know what I mean? Like there's a different kind of feel. And so when you go through these drivers and you start shifting the way you think and act and react, it allows you to close those gaps. And then over time that I talked about what you create creates you. Over time, one day you wake up and you don't know when. You can't put your finger back and say, Oh, it was, you know, you know, June 27th at 3 30 p.m. Like it is no point in time, but at some point in time you wake up and go, Wow, I, I don't even recognize this person in the mirror in a good way. Like, where did this guy I, I built this person? I took the action. I got the success. I had the failures too. But this is me. And just like I did in football, like you can't take this from me.
0: Right. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And tell people, where can they learn more about identity shift? How can they connect with you and and explore their finding their own identity or looking at how they can identify those identity gaps and work with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find me on on Instagram at Anthony Trucks. If you go to anthonytrucks.com, it's all there. And and the reality is, is my work is all out there. So if you want to go find out more about this model and what goes on, just go check the work out. Uh, You can also go to slowergo.co and get uh, a little tool that'll allow you to see what kind of identity you have. Because based on opportunity and opposition, there's a quadrant it's a slower grow, you know, matrix, and this grid, essentially what it is, a grid, the slower-go grid will show you where you stand, which will give you a clear picture of the work you have to do to be able to get to the level you want.
0: Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all of these things in the show notes, too, so people can check out uh, all the great work that you're doing. So talk to us about the entrepreneurial journey for you. How has it been? I mean, every entrepreneur that I know and being one myself, it's a roller coaster, right? There's highs, there lows. Tell us about kind of some of the, the moments where you've maybe not had as fun of an experience and how did you press on and continue on with your journey and knock give up?
1: Oh, I mean, it's every day. I mean, the thing is, is there's so because of my upbringing, there's a statement that I love and it says a smooth sea makes not a skilled sailor, which is essentially saying that if things are easy, you don't learn how to navigate the hardship. So for me, there's a lot of things that I deal with on a daily basis that would shut most people down every day. Essentially, what I did is I went through the process and said, what are the things that the successful person that I want to be does and and what are the things they do that look easy? And I had to shift my brain around perspectively saying every time I get to a limit where it feels like it's too much, I have to literally sit there and say, is this truly a limit or is it just hard for me? And what's, uh, I think Gay Hendrick says, whenever you fight for a limitation, you get to keep it. So a lot of us will make excuses to fight for that limitation to be valid. So we keep it, we don't get anywhere. And so when I look at entrepreneurs, a lot of it is a lot of people are getting those points where they hit that wall. And for some people, what's Easy for me is hard for them. What's hard for them is easy for me. But whenever you get to your hard, what you have to realize is you're not going towards this thing that's hard to do at one time and hopefully overcome it and never visit it again. You're going after it to learn to be able to navigate it every time it pops up with ease and joy. And that's how successful entrepreneurs operate. Like that's just who it is. It's a daunting game. Every day I get up and I have inundations of emails and messages and conversations and clients needs. And if you're a client of mine, you'd notice that you would never, ever notice that I ever have any stress or ever have any lack of bandwidth. And it's not that I don't, but I spend very little time in a position of trying to find ways to protect my limitation. So I have this thing called a seven second rule. And what I do is, is whenever I get some news or something pops up or something stressful, I give myself seven seconds to wallow in it. Like, just think about it and like stress. Oh, and then I go, all right, let's figure it out. Let's solve it. And the reason I do it is because whatever you go looking for, you'll find. So I choose to look for solutions before I look for excuses. And so when I go looking for solutions, like I've tuned my brain to be able to find the solution every time and then it, it rolls. So it's hard. They're all difficult things, but it's a matter of how do you choose to pursue things in the moment? Like, how does your brain turn when it gets at a point of difficulty. Because if you as an entrepreneur cannot do that in seven seconds, like if you can't in seven seconds, find a way to start like having joy to solve this puzzle. Because we're entrepreneurs, we're puzzle solvers. We're, we're problem solvers. We, we do puzzles. It's like, how do I figure out this thing to be able to have success for myself or for my clients or solve that problem? All of it is puzzles. So if you don't like puzzles, if you don't get excited for puzzles, then this is not the industry for you, right? It's not the world you should be in. And so what I do is like, I find joy and like, all right, this is crazy. Let's figure it out. And I find joy in solving it. And it takes me about seven seconds to get there. And then I'm off and rolling. And if I cannot find joy within seven seconds or get my head tuned to it, then I got a problem I got to work on or this thing I'm going towards is a real issue and I need to stop and give it pause. But I mean, 99% of the time i met with stuff daily, daily that I have to sit here and be like, seven seconds, Yes, breathe, seven, all right, let's go. And I turn it on. And here's what's cool. The more you do it, the more you do it, the more it becomes normalcy, becomes easy. And then people look at you one day and they walk up and go, Jen, how, did you, how do you do that? And you go, how do you not? Like, it's just your normalcy now. That's what we're trying to get people to is what I call a new normal. You need to be at a new normal. And that normal of whatever it is, needs to be at a higher output than your current normal.
0: I like that. I like that 7 second rule and as I'm hearing you talk about it I was thinking about how you know, we're, we're in unprecedented times right now with the coronavirus pandemic and when all of this kind of hit end of February, March time frame. I mean, I I left my corporate job in November of last year to go all in on my brand and so you know a few months after that we see the stock market tank. Money that I had uh, invested that I was ready to cash out to grow my business was gone and people were like, "Wow, Jen, that's really bad. Timing and I'm like, well, thanks, <laughs> right? And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know what? No, like I'm gonna figure this out. Probably took me more than seven seconds to get there, but I was like, I'm gonna figure this out, and I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna make the adjustments I need to to continue to move the ball and have. Because for me, I wanted to have an amazing story on the other side of this, and said I tackled. Uh, this pandemic, it was just another obstacle to navigate through, just like you mentioned. So I really like that seven-second rule.
1: Yeah, it's simple. And I mean, the thing is, you don't have to solve the problem in seven seconds. Just right. tune your brain to try and solve. That's all we're doing. I'm just right. giving myself the perspective of like, all right, I can easily sit here and come with a lot more excuses and complain a lot and be a lot you know, more in-depth in terms of like, oh, man, I suck. Or... I just go the route of like, all right, let me tune my brain to find the solution. And that's what happens. Your your brain will go finding what you pointed at to go figure out. But too many people like to spend time pointing it at the problem.
0: Right. And that's not even in the entrepreneur space. That's in anywhere. Corporate, too, you've got. Yes, you've got people that love to find the problem and make excuses why it can't be solved versus being the problem solver or the, the puzzle people that are figuring out how to put the puzzle together and and shift things so i i like that let's uh shift gears here so something fun that i want to ask you about is you were on american ninja warrior so share with us how did you get linked up with the show and become a competitor what was that like for you
1: oh man it's a different world i mean i'm a former nfl athlete like so my thing is i don't I, i mean ninja warrior hanging on stuff is not our norm most of those guys rock climbers are like, a, you know, five, eight, 150 pounds. So I'm out here like 225 at one point, 240 pounds. So you're not built for it. But what happened was we came home from Costa Rica and we were uh, living in an apartment at the time when we were looking for a house. And my wife had filled something out. And she got bored. And then like it, it was like 80 percent done. And it needed an extra piece of like a video from me. So he's like, "Hey, do this video of hanging on stuff." I'm like, "I don't know. Like, it's not. I don't know if it's for me." So I just I filmed it and did a couple things and sent it in in like October. And it's October, I think, 2016. And then in February of 2017, like months later, I get a call out of the blue, like, "Hey, it's so and so. Why don't you know you're on you know this season nine or season whatever of American Ninja Warrior?" Like what? like, what? what is this? Like, I had no idea what it was. I, I thought it was a wipeout show where they make fun of you in a different angle, language or something. So I was like, oh, I try it out. And, and sure enough, I prepare for it. I go down and like I'd spent a total of like seven minutes of practice on this, this apparatus before. First time on the show, but very first time I go out and I, uh, I get through it and I become the first former NFL athlete and only so far to hit a buzzer on the show. So I have uh, I have that to my staple of my name at the moment.
0: And how did it feel when you hit that buzzer?
1: No, it's crazy. It's an amazing feeling because you're like you're on. I mean, you're on national television. There's a whole studio audience and the producers and the lights and the smoke. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome as my wife gets home.
0: Gotcha. And so having a routine is important. I know you didn't train on the apparatuses that much, but uh, what's your normal routine? It's not only important to like have a morning routine to be productive, but also you want to be mentally fit. You want to be physically fit and have a healthy lifestyle. So what does your routine look like normally, including the physical training part?
1: I mean, normally we get up at, uh, I say we, my son and I get up at about 5, 30, 45, get to the gym by like 6.50. We train till about 7.35, 7.40, head home. Or sorry, 635, 640, head home. Kids are up by 7 for school. They go to school and then I'm off for the day. So I spend usually about a good uh, hour doing like training just to keep myself healthy and, and moving. And throughout the day, we just eat clean, just take care of our bodies. We, My wife and i all sporadically do like Spartan races and, you know, triathlons, that kind of stuff intermittently. But it's just actively like after lifestyle. My wife just track, my, my son does track, my other son does football, one daughter does swimming. So we're just a moving family. So whether or not I'm training, I'm always moving around like I'm, I'm, you know, at my desk and I'm in the house and I'm, I'm taking the practice and I'm, you know, training with my kids. Like it's just something going on to keep ourselves active because I think the problem is in America and just all the world, we believe that our brains are, you know, are just these separate things and our body is a, a vessel to carry the brain around. And the reality is, is the body can feel that brain amazingly. So I, I'm more focused. I have more energy. I have more patience because I take care of my body.
0: Sure, absolutely. I, I definitely notice a difference when I'm working out more than when I'm slacking and not putting in that uh, that workout routine every morning. So it makes a huge, huge difference when you're physically fit. You, you perform better, too. You do.
1: You have more pride, more confidence in yourself. You can do more hard stuff.
0: Absolutely. And I know that family is really important to you. You spend a lot of time with your family. How do you strike that? I don't like to use the word balance, but I'm mean, gonna use the word but like how do you balance? Cause I think balance is an overused word, but how do you really make sure that you know you're you're giving your family the time and attention that they deserve and that you want to give them while also continuing to grow your brand? Cause I mean, I, I can say that uh, it's very easy to get sucked into the entrepreneurial world, right? And just spend hours and hours and hours working. So what do you do to make sure that you make time for your family and and aren't just being sucked into your work all the time?
1: I turn things off, man. I just, I shut things down when they need to. So the big thing for me is realizing that in the act of what I'm doing, like I can be on for work, which I need to be. But when I'm off, I need to be on for life. And so with my wife and my kids, like they're a huge piece of who I am and my core. And the most important thing is for them to realize that they are the core. So the way I do that is like you vote for what's important with your time. So I make time for them. I just, I spend time. I I chill out. I hang out. I weave them into my work. They're part of the stories. Like it's all there, right? It's not like it's craziness. I think some people struggle because what they typically do is they feel like they're on this clock. I got to get this thing done. I got to hurry up. So they go to their family time and they're still thinking about work and they mess up family time. And then their wife gets mad or husband gets mad and, and they got a little bit of guilt. They go back to work with guilt. They can't get functional stuff done because they're still guilty from whatever it is. So like they, It's a weird cycle. So what I do is I just realize like, all right, I'm going to be super focused at work, get a lot of stuff done so that when I'm with my family, I don't have to think about work. I can turn it off. And that's what I do. So the balance doesn't come from like time balance always like, yeah, you have to put time in there, but it comes from mental focus. If I can focus mentally in the moments that matter, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you, there, you've got different people and different views on entrepreneurship and people say you got to be up at 4 a.m. working, you know, wake up before everybody else, work, work, work all day long. And it's not really about how many hours you put in. It's being focused and productive and effective in the time that you're dedicating each day so that you have that other time to devote to your family and to whatever else that you've got that you want to to spend time on.
1: That's it. If you do it right, I mean, you, you'll find the time. Just make, make the time more valuable. Just do better stuff in that time you're already spending.
0: Right. And uh, one thing that I'll, I'll share for some that may not have heard the episode. So I know, you know, J.J. Burden, who also played at Oregon. Uh, J.J. was on the show. And one thing I loved that he shared was he basically said you want to protect your focus like it's a million dollar suitcase. But the other thing he said is when you give your time to somebody, uh, like you have to be purposeful with your time. And he said that every time you say yes to someone, imagine as if you are taking out your wallet and giving them money. Because that's essentially what you're doing when you're giving people your time. Not This isn't for your family. But when people are placing demands on you right, and asking you to do stuff, you have to be purposeful and say no to those things. And so if you visualize it like, hey, I'm giving them quote unquote money, then maybe you're a little bit more uh, hesitant to just say yes to everything.
1: Yeah. What I also look at is it, like if you if you have a bunch of things you've already committed to, whenever you say yes to something new, you have to say no to something you already have said yes to. Whether it's your time or your workout or, you know, a, a conversation with your wife, no matter what it is, it, it's this thing. And the problem is is some people, here's the thing also, some people's time is more viable than others. I've heard this story about someone that says, you know, these young guys are saying, you know, what should I give my time to? You know, should I do this? I don't know if I have time. He goes, well, how much do you charge per hour? And the guy ends up saying like, I you know, I don't have a rate I charge per hour. He says, your time is worth nothing right now. Like, don't, don't even think about what's your time worth. Like go learn things with your time to make your time more valuable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like, I think the thing is that you're pulling your wallet out for sure. But after a while, you realize that the more information you have, the more success you get that that when you're pulling your wallet out, you're not just pulling out a dollar, you're pulling out a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, depending upon your knowledge base. So grow your knowledge and then be very clear. And the more you're growing, yeah, you have to get less and less open with your time.
0: Yes. I really like that. So what I want to do now is I want to shift to my two minute drill. Just ask you some seven fun questions. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. First one is what is your favorite food?
1: Hawaiian time. Number six, Ali'i.
0: Okay. Uh, how about what is your favorite movie?
1: Oh, Avatar.
0: I've never seen that movie.
1: What? <laughs>
0: I'm too busy watching football stuff. Um, but I oh, <laughs> will watch it. I, I will watch it. Uh how about what is your favorite professional sports team?
1: Uh I don't have a professional sports team that I like the
0: most. Okay. How about sports team in general?
1: I'm an Oregon Duck fan. There you go. Oregon Ducks.
0: Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Uh, uh, Ducks. How about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor?
1: Uh man, I got a lot of advice from a lot of people. I think one of them is uh takes a little bit more to be a champion. So whenever you feel like you've done enough, there's always a little more you can do to be a champ.
0: I like that. And I'm going to flip it now and ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone?
1: There are two types of people in this world, those that work and those that watch them at work. Make sure you bow for your audience.
0: I like that too. That's great. Okay. How about this question? What is one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: That I like to eat uh, garlic, olives, and chocolate pudding together.
0: That's an interesting combination.
1: (laughs) So good. Garlic stuffed olives and chocolate pudding is banging.
0: Okay. Maybe one day I'll try it. (laughs) My last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why?
1: Like Mr. Xavier, like, you know, Professor X, but if I could walk. Gotcha. That'd be cool. Okay. Because I mean, the whole flying thing's cool. That's all good. But I want—I like my brain. I want to be able to use my brain. If I use my brain, I can get anything I want.
0: There you go. Awesome. So as we close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners?
1: Man, just go out and take advantage of opportunities to do things in life because they're all out in front of us. You're, you're going to have a lot of limitations you could run into. But like I said, uh, if you fight for limitations, you get to keep them. So start looking to press yourself into situations that make you feel super uncomfortable so that at the end of the day, you just get better.
0: Great, great piece of advice. So Anthony, thank you so much again for being on the show. It's been a true honor and pleasure having you on.
1: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks again to everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball to see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball
1: movement.